Tanks from New Jersey. It's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. And guys, guys, I, I'm, I regret to inform you that uh, this is a Trumbull-less episode today. Uh, John Trumbull is not with us on this episode. He is on a sabbatical. He's taking a little bit of a, getting some R&R, taking on a little bit of a shore leave. Uh, but folks, you know, rest assured, don't fret. It's, this podcast is not going to be just me babbling incoherent uh, nonsense by myself in, the, in a room by myself like a madman. No, I'm going to babble incoherently to my guest co-host today. He and I used to run a little uh, Brooklyn show called Comic Sans back in the day, the, the world-renowned, critically acclaimed uh, Brooklyn bar show, Comic Sans. And we also used to have a little podcast called uh, The Virgin Chronicles, which was... Um, which was known and uh, critically ignored. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, clap your hands, stomp your feet for Mister Evan Morgenstern. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yes, reunion time uh, on the on the very podcast you left me for. That's you know. <laughs> yes, just <laughs> yes. Uh, I miss. I miss. <laughs> yes, this is. Oh boy! Yeah. Oh, right, right off the rip, we're getting awkward. Okay. No, that's it. Um, I feel like people just immediately tuned out when they heard Trumbull wasn't here. So you know. Yeah, that's right. It's like, oh, this is no Trumbull, no me. Skip. <laughs> oh, nah, nah. <laughs> Have you been good, sir? Uh, you know, hanging in there with uh, you know, as as we all are these days, and uh. Yeah. Oh, why did did something happen? Is there? Oh no! I mean, yeah, yes, I'm uh, currently unemployed, but I just spent, uh, you know, the pandemic life. Oh, that, that whole oh, thing. That, <laughs> oh, that's yes, that's right. There's a yes, the world's crumbling. I forgot about that. Okay, yeah, yeah, you know, but slightly less than before. So we're we're okay. Yes, yeah, the world's <laughs> flooding slash on fire slash dying all around us. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That that old thing. But that's why that's why people need podcasts about saturday night live yeah that's right so you're welcome america again <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing the lord's work here uh well uh speaking of saturday night live thanks for being on the podcast and uh we're gonna talk about a movie um uh that you chose because like usually we ask our guests to choose an snl related movie and um i i'll, I'll admit i was kind of surprised when you pulled this one out of your hat uh we're <laughs> Well, we'll get into it, but yeah, we're going to talk about the uh, 1987 film Dragnet, starring uh, Dan Aykroyd, uh, a little-known actor called uh, Tom Hanks, and... uh, I think he's been on SNL once or twice, Tom Hanks. Really? I think he's hosted maybe once, I don't know. know. I don't know. We'll have to look in on that. We'll have to get get our team on that. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I, all right. So right off the rip, why why Dragnet? I gotta ask you. Why, I, why this know, I I mean, I hadn't seen it until I, I rewatched it recently, but I saw it a lot as a kid. I was probably eight years old, and of course, I probably also didn't get half the jokes, which we can visit uh, as we talk about it. Um, but it was always, I, I guess, I didn't realize just how funny it was that they were kind of poking fun at the original TV show. Um, until I also, I didn't see, I didn't see reruns of the TV show, show till later. And I was like, oh, I see. It's very serious. And this movie is very much not. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm the same way. Like I knew, like this was one of the movies that was, that's always on, like on a Sunday afternoon on like right, TBS. Right. 
or TNT when like, you know, back in the 80s. Uh, so now yeah. when I was a kid and like, you know, I didn't go outside because, uh, you know, outdoors, yuck. Oh, you yeah. Stay, no. <laughs> you stay indoor. Yeah. You stay indoors, play Super Mario. And when <laughs> you're done with that, you watch uh, Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, I loved Harry and the Hendersons. Uh, it, you know, always, uh, always teared up a little at the end, but, you know, oh, uh, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Um, <laughs> you don't want to spoil that. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to spoil that '80s movie that's been yeah. out since. The, <laughs> right, right. That forty-year-old '80s movie. Or I don't know math. I don't know math. All right, but uh, before we yeah, talk I, about, yeah, before we talk about Dragnet, let's talk about Saturday Night Live. All right, so we always ask all our guests: Are you an SNL nerd? Are you a casual fan? How did you discover the show? Do you have any favorite cast members? Favorite sketches? Evan Morgenstern, please take us on your SNL journey. I would say that I'm between casual and a nerd. Um, I used to watch it a lot more when I was younger. And then uh, for one reason or another, like, like let's say this past year, uh, I haven't had normal antenna TV. So I've been watching reruns, the reruns on Hulu. Um, but yeah, when I'm into it, I'm into it. I just sometimes I go through phases where I just get lazy and haven't, you know, kept up with it. And you know, I'm an old man now, so I don't really stay up late anymore. Right. I hear but you. I, you drink, I, I know well, you're 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 an older fellow. You drink your Sanka, go to bed at a reasonable hour. Right, right. You know, and then if it and then if I have time to uh, watch it the next day when I wake up, you know, at, at five a.m., you know. Uh, on recording. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so what was your era? I'm, I'm assuming you... Uh, we're about the same age, so I'm assuming your era was the same as my era, which was like the late 80s, uh, Dana Carvey, Dennis Miller, uh, yes. Jan, Jan Hooks, Phil Hartman era? Absolutely, absolutely. That was my main era. I mean, I continued on through high school with, you know, the Will Ferrell, Cheryl Terry, and into college. But yeah, my main era was uh, Dana Carvey, uh Tim Meadows, Jan Hooks, all that. Uh, and my favorite was definitely, I, you know, I loved Dana Carvey at the time, but I feel like when I go back, uh, Phil Hartman just really knocks it out of the park. I think just because he just could do the, the deadpan so well. Right. No, we, we've talked about this on this podcast many times. There was actually an episode we put out where we put out our um, top five or top 10 cast members. And both John and I both had at number one, Mr. Phil Hartman. Cause like, the dude could literally do it all. He could play it big. He could play it small. He did impressions. Oh, yeah. He did voices. He was like he was. Uh, I think I believe he was nicknamed the glue because he was right, just that. Right. He was just that utility guy who could literally do anything you needed and could like like uh, elevate any sketch. Like I mean, I, I know straight face and so deadpan. You know, this was I would say, and with no disrespect to. Uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon and Horatio Sands, but you know these guys who are known for cracking up. Phil Hartman could do anything, and he he like almost never broke on you know in a sketch. Yeah, I think there was one. I think there was one sketch where he was um, he was Frankenstein, and I was like, you know, I think he was doing you know the fire bad <laughs> right, right. I think something happened there where he did break, and it was so. That might be the only time he ever broke. It was, it was super yeah. rare. 
for him to break. He was that much of a professional. You know, the, the classic when he's doing uh, Clinton uh, at McDonald's and he's shoving food in his mouth. And I think everyone around him is trying so hard to keep a straight face. And he's just not shaking for one second. Yeah, oh, the Clinton sketch was phenomenal because he was literally, like, he was legit shoving, like, actual hamburgers in his face while, and talking with his food food in his mouth. Right. right? He was like, rah, 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 brr, brr. <laughs> right, right. I think at one point he even had to like catch his breath because he was like, oh yeah, choke, choking on the food for a minute. And he was like, oh yeah. yeah, give me a minute. But he still, yeah. I mean, uh, my lord, I mean, Mr. Phil Hartman, like uh, R.I.P. The, the dude, the dude was a, was. I, I, yeah. I would say, soon. yeah, I I would go so far as to say he was the best, if not. I would, I you know, if I had. Uh, at least a top two. It's it's him and Eddie Murphy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would. I would. That's that's fair enough. I mean, there are people that have come close. I would say Bill Hader is pretty close too. Because like maybe, I think when he was on the show, he was kind of overshadowed by Kristen Wiig and maybe Sudeikis. But right. like, go back and watch Bill Hader do his stuff. He was he again a dude that did voices, did impressions. Right, um, right. He 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 broke here and here and there, but he had sort of the same skill set that Hartman did, and he was you know really solid. I mean, he's coming into his own now with like shows like Barry, and he's you know yes, he was yeah. on the, the movie It. Like he's a bit elevated now, and people know about him now. But I think on the show he was kind of a little under the radar because everybody was all enthralled by Chris right. and stuff. And that's the other thing too. I mean, I think there were people who were great on the show and maybe didn't quite make it as well after the show and people who were a little overshadowed or didn't quite get their groove on the show and then did more after the show. Yeah, no, that absolutely happens. You know, that kind of, that pretty much happens all the time. Uh, I mean, I mean, I guess off the top of my head, you could say like Jenny Slate was like that where, right. um, you know, the show wasn't a good fit for her, but she, you know, blossomed afterwards, you know, oh um, yeah. yeah, you know, Casey Wilson, like there, there are, uh, there are a bunch of other people. That uh, sort of fit that bill, um, right? But but yeah, and also like just side note, I'm getting to like as I got older, I start to appreciate Kevin Nealon more and more. Like I think oh, when he was, yeah, like when he was on the show because what he did was so deadpan and so dry. As a kid, I really didn't get it, but like as I got older, I was like, oh, okay, I see what he's like. I appreciate it more. He, he kind of has a very Sort of Bob Newhart, uh, maybe maybe Stephen Wright, almost Todd Barryish, kind of like quiet type of right, style. Right, right. Well, his that, way of doing the news. I mean, that was for for people your for our age, and we were watching, you know, talking about that era. The way he did the news was so deadpan, but it was perfect. It was just he would, because he would say the most ridiculous things, and then, uh, you know, it just it. Came out so well. Yeah, yeah. Like I a, mean, like a regular news report kind of thing, where other people have sort of done it a little more goofy, a little more, you know, not so dry, but right. Like other um, cast members, like you know, uh, Norm Macdonald, Dennis Miller. They kind of added their more their personality into right, it. Right. Where like Dennis Miller was all, "Hey, cha cha, this happened in the news, right, in the news right. today." Beep bop. Like he was more. He was kind of. They were both kind of playing it as like they were sort of above it a little bit like they're always kind of had a little bit of snark right. in their own little snark in it but yeah kevin played it straight 
and therefore right. kind of elevated the material, I thought. Exactly. Yeah, agreed. All right. All right. And that's our and that's our podcast, guys. Thanks for watching. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 no. We need to talk about this. We need to talk about the uh, film Dragnet. Came out June 26, 1987. Uh, had a budget of 20 mil, uh, gross 66 mil. So it's a it's a decent hit. It, it made money. Yeah. I mean, I um, think, uh, you know, part of the reason I just, I felt, you know, if you're, you're doing a SNL movie, I mean, you've got an original cast member and you've got Tom Hanks who is a staple on that show, you know? Yeah. I mean, not only do we have an original uh, cast member in this movie, but this film was written by an original writer. This film was written by Dan Aykroyd, Alan Zweibel, and Tom Minkowitz. Uh, Alan Zweibel, as you know, he was an original SNL cast member. He was there for the first uh, five or six years of the show. I think he was there from like 75 to like 87. So that's where he met Aykroyd. And, um, of course, he went on to create what I think is one of the most, like, underrated, criminally underrated meta shows that I still think doesn't get its due. Uh, it's Gary Shandling's show. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, that was that was an underrated show. And, you know, people, people always talk about the Larry Sanders show, which is also amazing. And I think, to a lesser degree, underrated. But Gary Shandling's show itself was – that was a pretty – that was a pretty amazing show. Yeah, for those that don't know about It's Gary Shandling Show, or again, we're going off on a tangent. <laughs> for those that don't know about It's Gary Shandling Show, I highly recommend you check it out. It's the show that uh, Gary did before Larry Sanders. And uh, it was basically sort of a sitcom. Uh, no, basically, it was a sitcom, but it was like a meta sitcom where Gary was constantly talking to the camera, constantly breaking the fourth wall, constantly making the audience aware that, yeah, this is a sitcom and this you know, oh, this is my neighbor, and, like, this is when this happens. Like, he was constantly talking. He also talked to the studio audience, like, straight up during the show right, right. sometimes. And, um, like, uh, like uh, guest guest stars would just come in. Like, friends of his would come in. Of course, the biggest one everybody remembers is when uh, Gilda Radner came in during an episode. And it was, like, oh, yes. the, first, it was the first time anybody had seen Gilda in years because, you know, of course, she had uh, cancer. And uh, she she was making she made like a this uh, big appearance on a TV show. It was the first time she did she'd done TV in like a number of years because she was kind of living in seclusion. And um, yeah, and yeah. you know, unfortunately, no, uh, he he's just I think he was an underrated uh, comic overall. You know, he uh, Gary Shanley's show and Larry Sanders were both very is very smart comedy. It's just basically. He really liked to kind of take a shot at Hollywood and uh, you know how how the uh, how the sausage was made, I guess. And uh, with Gary Shandling's show, he got meta with Larry Sanders. You know, it's just a, a complete send up of uh, you know these stars behind the scenes and you know not being the uh, perfect people we think they are. Yeah, no, he that was uh, Gary's thing. He always constantly loved to sort of poke and prod at Hollywood and kind of make these inside jokes that maybe the average person wouldn't get, but if you knew about, right. you know, the, the, the Hollywood life and showbiz, you'd be like, oh, that's a pretty smart joke. Like, again, like uh, Kevin Nealon, too. His, like, stuff was always sort of really quiet and dry. Right, but it, right. it, was always, it was always sharp. But, like, yes, a, lot of, yes. a lot of people just didn't get it. But uh, we did because we're super smart uh, comedy stars. Of course, stars. yeah. We're, we're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> we're yes, of course. That goes without saying. Uh, we're geniuses. 
So people uh, should also check out the Larry Sanders show. It's very 90s, but it's like everybody who is anybody in Hollywood in the 90s had a guest appearance on that show at some point. Right. Like uh, Garofalo was on it. I, she was a cast member on it. If I, uh, right, right. I yeah. And uh, I think there was that David Duchovny made kind of repeat appearances on that show. And there was always a thing where. Like, yeah, he had a, a crush on a. Yeah. It was, it was pretty hilarious. But yeah, so after guys, after you watch Dragnet, watch uh, Gary <laughs> Shandling Show and Larry Sanders. Now you have your homework. Yes, exactly. And right, if you and know, uh, Larry Larry Sanders is on HBO Max, so because it was an HBO show, so oh, that's right. You're welcome, HBO. God damn! All right, <laughs> wow, I, I, my weekend is planned. There, there you go. <laughs> All right, um, yeah, uh, Dragnet. Sorry, back to Dragnet. So this film, uh, written by Ackroyd. Zwei Bell and uh, Tom Mankiewicz. And this is the directorial debut of Tom Mankiewicz. Uh, he's a man who's primarily known for writing. Like, he wrote a number of James Bond movies, including the screenplay for Diamonds Are Forever, Live and Let Die, The Man with the Golden Gun. Um, and uh, it seems like he was uncredited for writing Superman, Superman 2, and Superman 3. No, just Superman 1 and 2. And uh, Lady Hawk. The film Lady Hawk, um, okay. and this is his directorial debut. It seems like the only he's also directed a couple episodes of Heart to Heart before this, and directed the John Candy film Delirious. I didn't know about uh, the 007 movies that he did. Oh, but... Yeah, it seems like he was um, primarily a writer, but right. then he kind of, um, you know, he did a little bit, of, a little bit of directing here and there. Uh, okay. So, sure. all right. So, uh, for all our, our younger Gen Z listeners out there, uh, drag dragnet. What the hell is that? Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I'll tell you. So, I, I kind of looked into this because I didn't know much about dragnet. I, all I knew about dragnet is what I've watched from uh, Nick at Night and stuff. And um, <laughs> yes. yeah, I really I was like I didn't even watch it on Nick at Night because it, it looked kind of dry and boring. I was like, oh, this doesn't have any talking horses on it. So then it's. Wait till Mr. Mr. Ed came on. I was like, all right. That is his entertainment. Uh, Yeah, so basically... Sorry? Oh, no, I was going to say, it was basically a living, breathing, like a a full-scale after-school special that was a TV show. Yeah, it was basically like Law & Order before Law & Order. It was like basically one of the first, you know, police procedural drama shows. Um, But also like very geared towards, it seemed like... uh, you know, like our parents' parents' generation who, you know, were unhappy with, you know, the subculture and the hippies and the damn kids doing their, you know, goofballs and stuff. And, you know, <laughs> I might damn... be focusing on one episode, but yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. these damn... girls are going to clean things up, you know. Yeah, these damn beatniks with their long hippie hair listening to Herman's Hermits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, smoking the doobage. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, Dragnet was a show created by Jack Webb, who of course played Joe Friday. Uh, it actually originated as a radio show back in the '40s. That's when uh, Jack oh, Webb wow. created it, and then it got turned into a TV show in the '50s. And um, it, it was it was a pretty big hit. It lasted for like eight or like seven or eight years. Then it went, it, uh, it got rebooted in the '60s, and. Um, yeah, it had a pretty long stretch. Like uh, Jack Webb was synonymous with Joe Friday and Dragnet. Uh, then, unfortunately, Jack Webb passed away in '82 from a heart attack, and um, they kind of wanted to 
see if there's any juice left and then want to reboot it. And uh, that's where that's where Mr. Dan Aykroyd comes in, because as it turns out, Dan Aykroyd is a huge fan, a huge fan of Jack Webb and Dragnet. And it makes sense, because if you if you listen to the way like he plays it, he plays Joe Friday, he has that sort of staccato, fast talking type of monotone voice. Dan Aykroyd does that in a lot of his movies. That, oh, you know, yeah. Bop, that kind of micro machines, like where they're just, you know, rattling off technical jargon. Dan Aykroyd does that quite a bit. And he, uh, and you, I mean, you can just see it in the movie that he is a fan. This was not just a, a send up of the show. This was almost a tribute to the show, but like just in a very goofy kind of way. Right. Uh, so according to Dan Aykroyd, he said, I've had a fascination with Joe Friday since I was a kid. Next to Clouseau, he's the most famous cop in the world. I've studied his speech inflections, his mannerisms, his walk. During filming, I listened to tapes of old shows. I've even started, I even started dreaming in character, which I don't know how you do that, but all right. <laughs> uh, if, there was, if there was ever a character I'd always want to play, it was this. I'm a huge fan of Jack Webb's. I basically just love everything he did. Dragnet was something I'd always wanted to do, but I never thought the opportunity would come up because I didn't know who owned the rights to the idea. When Universal called and said they were interested in doing it, I think I made a deal to write the script the next week. So this was this was basically like the same way Jim Carrey was in Man on the Moon and, and played Andy Kaufman. This is uh, Dan Aykroyd's uh, Man on the Moon. He got, he got, he got very into character. And, you know, isn't it great to just be a celebrity with money where you can actually just decide to do make believe and play your favorite characters for fun? I, it's pretty fun. It? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> hey guys, come, come buy a movie ticket and watch me play make believe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I'm trying I'd to really think. Like to do, I'd really like to play Joe Friday. You know what? I'm going to make it happen because I can. <laughs> yay. yay! Yay! Celebrity! Yay! Money! Yeah, I'm trying to think who I would want it to be. Like, I mean, like we're off the. I mean, I'd automatically say Eddie Murphy, but I don't know. Hmm. Okay, but would you do like? Would you want to be an Eddie Murphy character? Oh, that makes. Hmm. I mean, Mr. Robinson, the movie. Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood, the movie, that that's that is very enticing to me, good sir. Okay. All right. Who is it? <laughs> like, would, right. no, that, would be, that would be good. That would uh I, I'm surprised God. he hasn't tried to do it yet. No. Lauren, if you're listening, call me. I would be happy to play Eddie Murphy's uh, illegitimate son in Mr. Robinson's <laughs> neighborhood, the movie. <laughs> Who is it? It's your son, oh, Dan. No disrespect to Dan Aykroyd. I think he's amazing. I just think like it's, it's just such a wonderful thing to just suddenly like I like something and I'm going to do it. You know, this is like that's uh, yeah. I need to get my career in, in order. You know, dude. Well, you're on the SNL Nerds podcast now, my friend. So you'll yeah, you're gonna see it. it. It's from you're here gonna, to the moon. You're gonna see that bump pretty soon. Stay by. I, stay I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. I mean. Look, I was riding high for a while from Virgin Chronicles, and now you know I got a little complacent. So now this yeah. is gonna this is I, gonna skyrocket me. Now you're back uh, in the gutter, but just stay by your phone. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so I, you know, I I went as Garth for Halloween with my cousin going as Wayne. So I think I would, you know, I I play Garth again in a movie. That's I don't mm. that might not be aiming too high. 
Oh, wow. I mean, <laughs> I that that's pretty good. I could see that. I mean, look, we saw Wayne and Garth in those Uber Eats commercials, and I don't... Yes. Oof. <laughs> Both of which are aging so well. Ooh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Time has not been kind to... All right, I don't, all right, I'm, all right, I, I shouldn't be talking. We're, we're going off. Um, yeah, <laughs> like I'm some beauty. I shouldn't I should be talking. All right, but uh, yeah, so this is Dragnet. It, um, it has a, you know, huge following. Uh, so much so that I totally forgot that they tried to reboot this in 03. Oh, with the, I did not know that. Yeah, they did. Uh, Dick Wolf tried to bring it back with Ed O'Neill as um, oh, Joe Friday. That's right. That's right. Um, yep. And, uh, uh, yeah, what's Ethan Ethan Embry was his partner. Right, right. Yeah, it was only on for a season, but like the, you know, it has I a it has it has a following. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, I uh, and you know, if they want to reboot the movie, you and I can play um, Pepstree back and Joe Friday. I, I could see that. <laughs> I, I you know I've been looking for a buddy comedy for you and I to do for years, so I Dude. just haven't found the right one, and that's why we haven't done it yet. Yeah, I mean, uh, hmm, that's the only reason. That's the only reason. I mean, we could, we could do Lethal Weapon. There's always that. (laughs) Riggs. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I I don't think I can do an Australian accent, but I'll you know. I don't think you need to though for that. No, I mean for his part, you just have to say some of you know slurs against the Jewish people and. I don't think I could do that either, but <laughs> you couldn't. <laughs> For the, uh, e- even if the price is right, you sure? Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you know, it surprises me of all the you know people uh, Mel Gibson has worked with, and I'm like, boy, what was he saying about them off camera? You know, Tina Turner and Danny Glover. And- Oof. <laughs> <laughs> we, we probably don't want to know. You know? We, yeah, let's let's keep that door closed and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's open the door to uh, Dragnet and talk about yeah, this yeah, movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we have a movie we're talking about. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Dragnet. So, uh, movie opens. Uh, it opens kind of with the same, you know, the same way the TV show starts. Uh, right. The narration, uh, you know. Right. This, this is the city. This, you know. Right. Uh, and then we see um, Joe Friday, played by Aykroyd. Um, the movie takes place in present day, 1987, but you wouldn't know it from the way he's dressed because he's straight up. Uh, like madman, like he's right, like Don Draper, right. like yeah, gray he's suit, got, he's got the fedora and the right gray suit, black tie, fedora. He still smokes, eats eats right. hot dog. He's he's a man of a bygone era, and they and they do reference him smoking as a negative at some point in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the uh, the street toughs come and right, get, hey man, give us your give us your smokes, old man. Yeah, I think that you know I was so I saw the movie. When it came out, when I was like seven or eight years old, and <clears throat> um, or I mean, when I was two years, um, and my my dad was very didn't really care about what I saw. Like he let me watch like the old Arnold Schwarzenegger action movies when I was like eight years old. So uh, he so looking back, I'm like, oh, this has some content that's maybe not kid friendly, but I also it went straight over my head. So. Oh, you mean the uh, kid friendly, you know, the content that's not kid friendly when the movie starts with uh, a man dressed as a firefighter lighting a stack of porno mags in a warehouse <laughs> on fire? That could, that there's that. Um, there's uh, and, yeah. and he's threatening a cop. Yeah, and he's threatening a cop saying, 
tell Jerry Caesar he's out of business and throwing a business card at him that says the word pagan on it. <laughs> you mean that, that type? You mean that type? Coffee at the strip bar. Um, oh, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, a lot of jokes that I watched it now are like, oh, yes, now I get it. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, like I think I watched this. I probably watched this when it came on Channel 11 or something. So it's probably, I guess like maybe a year or two after it came out. So it's probably like 12 or 13. And uh, yeah, I mean, I liked it. But as I rewatched it recently, I was like, oh, I might have liked it because we'll, 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 we'll get to why I, I might have right. liked they, it. They, I'm sure, uh, you know, TBS or WOR, you know, cut out a lot of the, uh, the dark stuff. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah, so that's how we start the film. Like uh, some dude who's with some organization called Pagan sets a bunch of uh, skin mags on fire to, and, and tells the cop, hey, tell Jerry Caesar he's out of business and proceeds to, like, I guess, knock out the cop or something. Right. Um, then we cut to the precinct. We see Joe Friday. We find out he's like uh, the nephew of of Joe of the original Joe Friday. He, you know, Joe right. Friday was his uncle. Um, we, they show he has a picture of Jack Webb still on his desk to sort of you know a little memorial to him. Right. Uh, he, ha- um, he learns that his partner Frank Smith quit the force to retire, and uh, that's a nod to the. I believe the TV show in the fifties because Frank Smith was the name of uh, Joe Friday's partner on the TV show in the fifties. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, so everybody should sort have of boned up a little on the show more, but <laughs> yeah. Well, it, you know, that was well, a bunch of little Easter eggs throughout. Like there's actually, yeah, I mean, that, there are some things, I mean, just the fact that Harry Morgan plays his original character on the show. Yes. Harry Morgan. Uh, he's a captain now, but he plays, um, he's plays captain uh, Bill Gannon. And if you go to the TV show in the sixties, he that's that's who his character was, and he was uh, Joe Friday's partner then. Apparently, throughout the apparently throughout the um, TV show, the radio show, and uh, I believe there was a TV movie. Uh, Joe Friday has had a number of different partners. Like he's always been the main consistent, okay. but you know it's like Doctor Who. Like he's always had like kind of right. a rotation, okay. <laughs> a ro- like a rotation. When of, I think uh, of partners. Dragon, I think of Doctor Who. Yeah, as you should, as you should. <laughs> and Harry Morgan, because my. Parents used to, like, when we had dinner and my parents would have reruns of MASH on in the background. So that's a, the only way I knew Harry Morgan. And then I was like, oh, hey, that guy from MASH is in this movie. And it's like, no, no. <laughs> what? Now that I see it, I'm like, oh, right, right. He was actually on the show. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, so uh, Cap- the captain tells him, yeah, your partner, um, he, you know, he retired. Uh, and uh, now you got a new partner. And he, we introduce his new partner, uh, Pep Strebeck. Played by a young and upcoming uh, actor named uh, Mr. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, and you know, looking back, when you see Dan Aykroyd played like the straight guy, and Tom Hanks, future Oscar winner, is the the comedy foil. It's an interesting use of the two of them, you know. But now that I know what you're saying about Dan Aykroyd, that he wrote it, he wanted to be the uh, the straight guy, the uh, Joe Friday, rigid. Play by the rules guy. Right. And also, uh, as, as a little uh, trivia here, um, Dan Aykroyd originally wanted Jim Belushi to play Pep Strebeck, but uh, he was unavailable. Uh-huh. And it also... <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I, so instead, he, he had to settle for Tom Hanks instead of, um, you know, the, the, the Hollywood golden boy, Jim Belushi. <laughs> the principal. <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> 
I don't. I, I think it's because he's John's brother, and like, so maybe that probably has something to do with it. But yeah. But either way, uh, Jim was unavailable, and also it seems like uh, the network uh, offered the role to Albert Brooks, but he turned oh, it down. Well, you know what? They ended up having great, uh, great chemistry. Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, in uh, Tom Hanks's early days. He hadn't even done Big yet. I think this is this yeah, movie this came is- out. This movie came out a year before Big, so he was so post Bosom Buddies, but. And post, I'm guessing, Bachelor Party, but pre-Big, pre-The Burbs. Right. Like, I think at this point, the biggest thing he was in was uh, Splash. Ah, yes, yes. You know. Um, so, yeah. So, Pep Strebeck, Tom Hanks. Of course, he's like the young, kind of, you know, uh, lackadaisical, kind of, you know, play, you know, bend the rules a little bit type of cop. Right, right. Whereas Joe Friday is more the by-the-books, straight-laced type of cop. So, you know, wackiness will ensue. As of you, course, as you, yes. Right off the rip. Uh, so, yeah, I believe at one point he calls, uh, Friday calls Strebeck a, uh, a hipster freebird cop. Yes, yes. Which, you know, as I don't know. Strebeck is listening to his uh, Walkman in the car. Yeah. And- <laughs> exactly. Listen to that rock and roll jazz. <laughs> And he, t- he tells him he has to, uh, you know, dress better. He's he's dressed as a wacky punk, and yeah, he has like long hair, is unshaven. And then um, Friday says, "You need to get a haircut, Mister." And he just and does it immediately. Then, there's no, yeah, no pushback. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's like all right. Uh, so they they get called on a case. There was a there was a, a theft at the zoo. Someone stole a bat, an anaconda. And they cut off um, some a lion's mane, so the lion has his hairs in a mohawk, yes, type yes. of thing, which is uh, you know very curious. And then we cut to uh, a scene, which is probably why you know twelve year old Darren liked this movie so much. Uh, they they went to the person's ha- uh, mansion, uh, Jerry Caesar, who owns Big yes, Magazine. It's basically, uh, you're. Uh... It's a it's a playboy kind of thing. He's uh, basically Hugh Hefner kind of character. Yeah, Hugh Hefner, Larry Flint, uh, played by the great Dabney Coleman, who kind of yes. he kind of plays it. He, he plays it interestingly. He has like a southern accent. I think Dabney Coleman. Yeah, says. sort of uh, like a speech impediment kind of thing going on there. Yeah, like he has like a he has a he has a southern accent. He has a lisp. Uh, I believe yeah. Dabney said he was going for like a Tennessee Williams type of voice. Interesting. All right. It's a a choice. It's a choice. Hey, hey, it worked, you know. Yeah. uh, I believe as um, Joe and Pep drive up to the mansion, you know, Joe already has, is not crazy about him. He describes him as a soft core porno lord. Right. (laughs) Because, you know, he makes his money off of uh, boobies and the the such. And, uh, And, of course, as we drive in, as he drives into the mansion, of course, gantily clad women all over. Just to remind yeah. you that this movie does take place in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, there's is... definitely a uh, not really uh, holding back on the uh, gratuitous half naked women kind of thing. Right. Although this movie, I will say, this movie is PG thirteen, so you don't see straight up, you know, naked honkers. But you, you <laughs> see, <laughs> I mean, there it's a, it, they cut a little close in that uh, in the strip bar scene. But yeah, 
Yeah, the strip. We'll get to the strip bar scene. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm rushing to it, you know. You really want to get to the strip bar scene? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> uh. Dude, take it easy. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, so they talk to Dabney Coleman. He says that, like, you know, they, they burned up like 20, they burned up all my copies of bait, the 25 year edition. And, you know, this, this won't stand as a travesty and, you know, get, find out who did this copper. You know, he, t- he talks right. down to them. Um, you know, Joe Friday says they'll solve the crime, but he doesn't, you know, he just yeah. lets them know he doesn't like him because he's a smut peddler. Right. Mm-hmm. I gotta, I got I gotta do my job as a cop, but that's all, the only reason I'm doing this, you know? Yeah, and of course, Pep Srebeck is the type of guy who seems to know the names of all the playmates or, or bait mates, as they call them. In, and their uh, profiles, all their, you know, all their all their favorite this and their, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean uh, Pep Srebeck is a straight-up horn dog throughout this yeah. entire movie. <laughs> yeah, they really do keep going back to that. Yeah, like he's, I mean, we'll we'll get to it, but like he seems to just be... Sleeping around with all the all the female cops that who are you know extremely attractive. <laughs> yes, apparently the LAPD is nothing but beautiful people. That's right. Go figure. Like if you can't get a job in modeling, you can be a cop. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Or you know, it could be your side hustle, as it were. Yeah, I I, I hear people go out to LA to be, be model looking uh, police officers. Yeah, that's that's what they go for. As evidence in the music video which we'll get to oh yes oh yes <laughs> in the city of crime oh my god i think i had that on 45 too oh my god <laughs> uh. oh evan say it ain't so <laughs> oh and it was a popular video on um not just mtv but on like nick rocks nickelodeon had the nick rocks show <laughs> to uh show the latest hot videos that, that was, was playing with the children somehow. That was playing with Nickelodeon. Yeah. The fuck was all right. <laughs> I, <laughs> all right, you, you just you just blew my mind with that one. I can't. Wow. Uh, well, you know, in the eighties, it was fine for kids to see, <laughs> you know, again, scantily clad women and stuff. It was a different time, you know. <laughs> it was okay for kids to see men wearing uh, pagan masks. <laughs> and, and lamb leggings and <laughs> uh, it was a simpler well, time yeah exactly you know <laughs> oh boy all right so um so the cops uh pull over for lunch we see oh by the way we, and i just want to say when they show up to the mansion sorry um when they first go to the call box to let them know who they are and the first thing uh, one of the women in the mansion said, "Oh, great vibrator repair, finally!" And as a kid, <laughs> I did not get that. And now, when I watched it, I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> said, oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So, I mean, a massager, okay. Yes, and of course, it's the posits that there is a person whose sole job is just to repair vibrators. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> is there a market for that? Um, you know, I'm going to look it up after this. LA is different. I've never, I've only been to LA once. So I, I can't, I can't speak to the culture. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so the cops, uh, Pep and Joe, they stopped to eat lunch. Uh, we see Friday eating two chili dogs. Pep has a fruit salad. Cause he's a health nut, of course. And, um, right funny because you 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 because they first show the food and you think 
well, Pep Strebex, he's the wild guy. He's the one with the chili dogs. And, you know, it's the little things. Yeah, that's weird. I guess because he's eating a fruit salad show, he's like the new age type of right, youngster. Right. And I guess around that time in the 80s, people were getting more health conscious, you know, jazzercise and the like. So maybe that was right. it. Uh, but, you know, Joe is like a still, he's, he's a full-blooded American old school guy. He's, he's chili dogs. He's, his, his chili dogs hot. And, that's right. And a, and a cigarette in between. Right, right. And uh, so as this happens, we see that uh, the guys, the guys' cars get stolen. Yes. <laughs> and um, yeah, so then they go, but they have to walk back to the precinct. Um, because the, Pep left their keys in the car, which yes. as a cop, you know. As you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even that, I was like, he just, he just left his keys in, who I mean, uh, even, he's a police officer, but you know, here I see in New Jersey they actually have PSAs about not leaving your keys in the car because your people, car will be stolen and fenced for drug money or something. Yeah, like are people still doing that? Yeah, I, I hope not. But. I thought we—I don't know—I thought we yeah. evolved past that. People, come on, come on, yeah. guys! It's a—it's a, it's a city of crime. It's a city of crime, and apparently a big problem here in New Jersey. So. City of crime. <laughs> I'm gonna oh, pepper that. Th- I'm gonna pepper that throughout the episode. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we have the, so the guys walk back to the precinct. Bill Gannon tells them about another uh, heist that just happened, where somebody uh, stole some uh, chemicals from a, a freight train, and then he also yeah. warns them, "Hey, it looks like the you know the pagans struck against all these chemicals from this freight train. Also, be on the lookout because people are stealing cop cars." Right. Right. You know, ironically, they got their yeah. So, um, so they get they have to get a replacement car. They go to the freight yards. They find out that the chemicals have been siphoned from the uh, from the train cars, and it's this weird chemical thing where if you mix the two together, it'll cause uh, the bur- it'll cause the eyes to burn, lungs and throat to burn, and cause vomiting and possibly death. So, right. so be on the lookout for that, kids. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, uh, and. Uh, watch the movie to find out what chemicals those were, because I don't remember exactly what they said. Yeah, they there's a lot of jargon that got kind of, <laughs> you know, just like spit out really quickly. I was like, I don't, I don't have time to write yeah. down all that. I'll just say chemicals. That's easy enough. They're chemicals, yeah. Check yeah, the uh, front, you know. yeah, exactly. Oh, don't <laughs> look. Kidding. We're not, we're not saying to, we're not saying to do that. Non- Absolutely pro- not. Absolutely non- not. Right. Non-production says don't no. do that. If you. <laughs> If you do do that, you do that. But we didn't say to do that. We didn't say. I no, absolutely don't do that. Okay, we got to. Oh boy. <laughs> All right. So the cops go to a newsstand, get get some magazines, and we see that the TV they're playing, and we see it's like this religious talk show, uh, hosted by the uh, Reverend Jonathan Worley, played by the uh, the late great Christopher Plummer. Yes. Who, yeah. Uh, yeah. Only. only uh, yeah. Was it this past year? He we lost him. Yeah, he passed away in February. R.I.P. Yeah, and uh, so he's this reverend who's the founder of this uh, this organization called MAMA, the Moral Advanced Movement of America. And of course, their their goal is to clean up LA and get rid right. of all the smut. Very and, very Falwell kind of thing. Uh, yeah, that was a big thing in the eighties, where like a lot, like you said, like a lot of televangelists were like, "This country's going to hell with the pornography." Right, right. So like that uh, was like a thing. Reagan America. Yeah. Exactly. American values. Yeah, God yeah. All that stuff, yeah. Yeah. And of course he has on his guest to show the police commissioner, uh, Jane Kirkpatrick, and you know, they seem to have a really tight 
um, relationship. Like the two of them really see eye to eye about cleaning up right. the city, and you know the mayor's not doing enough to clean up the city, and you know pagans running wild, and we need to blah to blah to get get the blah hey hole and stuff like that. <laughs> yes. Yes. And pagans, by the way, being an organization, not just a religious following kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, for some reason, I remembered it as, as it being like, you know, the satanic pagan thing. But like rewatching it, they, they kind of steered away from that. Yeah. Like saying yeah. like, oh, no, we don't worship the devil. We just, you know, we're just yeah. fucking around. <laughs> we're like wild proud boys. Wild people being wild. Yeah. You know, we're proud boys. Hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're looking back. And I, you know, well, anyway. Yeah. Cool. Like, we'll, get we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, so, uh. So Joe and Pep get called on another another crime scene. Uh, they go to this apartment complex where some stuff got stolen. Uh, pagan cards were found. They talk to the landlady, who um, this is by the way one of the best scenes in the movie. Just this this old woman, okay, senior woman, just her, her entire performance. By the way, Kathleen Freeman, who kind of did some more of this in the eighties. She was in one of the Naked Gun movies, uh, playing a similar character, and this was just hilarious. Her right, uh, off at the mouth, just <clears throat> uh, cursing everybody in every kind of way. Yeah, I think the first thing she says to them when they get there is like, "Oh, it's about time you pencil dicks got here." <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so right off the rip, and also, uh, like you said, Kathleen Freeman. She actually uh, has performed with, or was in a movie with Dan Aykroyd. She was the nun in the Blues Brothers film. Oh, okay. See, I did not know that. Yeah, she's one of those uh, character actors where you may not know her name, but if you see her... Oh, you've definitely seen her, yeah. Yeah, and I believe she was actually on the original Dragnet, too, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So, yeah, so they put her in there. Yeah, so, yeah. So, basically, she's she's out, you know, cursing up a storm, saying, yeah, this this deadbeat dude uh, named Emil Muzz. Uh, right. stole stole my wedding dress. He skipped out. He skipped out of the apartment without paying two month rent. To, you know, this goddamn son of a bloody blah, blah. And um, and he had all these cards. And we see it's the same uh, business cards because you know crime organizations have business cards. Uh, and you <laughs> see, he, he he found like they found like a stack of the business cards at right. um in his apartment. Yes. And uh, yeah, it was a great scene. She's she was a really good actor. She's really good yeah. acting in this scene. And uh, yeah, as it turned out, she was in uh, the show Dragnet in the sixties. Okay, all right. So well, nice so enough. Yeah, yeah, another nice little Dragnet connection. Yes. Um, yeah. So she goes on to tell them to see if they could track the guy down. Uh, she threw a lot of his stuff in the trash and the garbage, you know, because she was all upset with him because he skipped out on on right. not paying rent. But she uh, hold on, hold on to it for a while because she has a heart. God damn it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I have a hot <laughs> goddamn it. Um, yeah, exactly. So the boys, uh, you know, sift through the trash trying to find some clues. They find a Polaroid picture of a, uh, you know, some people posing at Muscle Beach with a phone number in the back. Um, so there's like, oh, phone number. Let's try to call this number. And then and, we uh, uh, seven. No, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, what am I saying? Oh, a seven digit phone number. Seven um, digit phone no, number. No area, no area code and. Uh, the the old gag from the eighties of uh, you know the problems with payphones and how they're not always there when you need them because what how else were they going to call in the eighties but a payphone? 
yeah, they, they're looking for a payphone to use. Uh, the first payphone, the phone's off the receiver. Second one they go to, there is no payphone. got ripped out. So when they finally find a working one, uh, they call it, and they find that the number is for Jerry Caesar's place. And they're saying, hey, we're looking for Emil Muzz. Is he there? And uh, the, the receptionist says, oh, he's not here. He's actually Jerry Caesar's uh, limo driver. He's his chauffeur. And uh, Jerry's out at, on his yacht at, at the marina. So, you, you know, maybe you go down there. So they, go, they drive down there. They see Emil Muzz, big, goofy, uh, you know, dopey-looking, muscular dude. They go up there, ask him some questions. And, of course, he, uh, is, he's, he's not impressed by them. He's not afraid of them. He drives right over Joe's foot. That's where we see <laughs> Joe make that, you know, that goofy face, and he drives off and he makes an escape. So now we got a car chase scene as they get yes. in, as Joe Friday, as, yeah, Joe, as, yeah, we get some '80s music, some uh, '80s guitar. I believe there's some oh, yeah. saxophone. <laughs> um, yeah, of course they're driving through the marina. They smash into rowboats. They, I think they drive through a. Like a flea market at one point. Yeah, with and, a bunch of uh, stuffed animals. Yeah, through, through some stuffed animals. They drive on the beach. Not the not the boardwalk. The beach. The, the sand, yeah. <laughs> They're driving on the sand. <laughs> like, a, like around surfers, and then they end up crashing into a lifeguard station. So, I don't know. I, I saw this as, like, them trying to interject a little 80s into it. Because, like, I think if you watch the old Dragnet, it's kind of... You know, a lot of dialogue. It's not a lot of action right, in it. Right. So I feel what in our cop movie is is an action packed chasing. Yeah, Those I other, feel like eighties you know, audiences will get bored otherwise. Yeah, I feel like some coked up producer was like, oh, you know, allegedly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it is the eighties, and you know what is the Miami Vice time? We need a little Miami Vice kind of thing to throw into this. Right, right, and so the you know, so they're like, oh, we need a car chase. So it's them crashing into uh, a lifeguard station. They bring back Emil Muzz into the uh, to the precinct into the interrogation room. Well, and by now, the way, let me say because um, Pat Streback just takes on the driving because earlier in a scene uh, they're driving on you know like the Los Angeles freeway, and in order to save gas money for the taxpayers, uh, Joe Friday says he uh, he wants to go under the speed limit. And cars are just passing them and honking. So now for the chase, that back says, okay, no, I'm driving this time. <laughs> right. Like, that's a thing that goes, all, that's like a running gag throughout the movie where they're right. arguing about who's driving. And yeah, like Joe kind of drives like a square. He drives, right. he obeys the speed limit while people go around him. Like, he, play, he, go, he plays by the rules, all, right. all that jazz. Uh, which is why this, what happens next is so confusing to me because... They take Emil Muzz to the interrogation room. They're saying, all right, Emil, we know you're part of the Pagans. What are, what are you guys up to? What's, what's the skinny there, uh, flat foot? Uh, Emil Muzz spits in Joe's face, which yes. is gross. That and he really- says, yeah. And then he says, you know, I ain't saying nothing until my lawyer gets here. I'll be out of here in 20 minutes, pig. <laughs> and um, so they're, they're, he, they're not getting anything from him. Uh, Peps tells Joe to leave the room. He said, hey, do you, maybe you want some coffee? Do you want anything? Amol must. And he says, give me a chewing gum, Snickers bar, my attorney. And so Pep tells Joe to leave the interrogation room. 
Then Pep says, well, Amal, it's just, uh, looks like it's just you and me, uh, your balls, and this drawer. And then he pulls open the drawer underneath the table and slams it shut. Right. And this is something I didn't get until like I got older. When I was a kid, I was like, what? Because I think maybe I saw, I think I saw it, like I said, I think I saw it on Channel 11, and either they took out the balls part or they replaced it with uh, fingers or something. Yeah, but I, but and, I think also they don't, they don't show him slamming his balls. And so as a kid, I was confused. I'm like, is he just threatening to do it and that's enough, or is he actually doing it? Right, because like the next thing they show Joe at the coffee machine, and all you hear is a drawer slamming and Emil Muzz screaming in pain. Ah, ah. Right. And, and so like, I but I didn't know was that him just screaming in fear or screaming in pain because he's actually doing it. I don't, you know. But I guess no. it, it makes more sense that he's actually doing it. We're really yeah. gonna dissect this scene because I. <laughs> yeah, we're real. We're gonna get to the bottom of this, goddammit. Get yeah, the, but get that droid on the phone. Yeah, see, but then that's the thing, because, like, you know, Joe Friday hears this, you know, the slamming and the screaming, and he, like, smiles and nods approvingly. Yeah, he seems to be happy with this sort of interrogation police brutality that yeah, that's what, I don't think he would be happy with. That's what I'm saying. So, like, you're, you're going to drive the speed limit because going above that is against the law, but you're okay with a right. man slamming his balls in a drawer? Yeah, yeah that, that kind of didn't quite... Uh, Shame on you, Dan Aykroyd. I, I, yeah, like, look, I know he's spitting your face. That's that's right. I, he, that's disgusting. All right, I, I, but I don't know if you know slamming one's balls in a drawer is the appropriate response for that. And just on a technical level, I still think even with the drawer, the logistics of sitting in a chair. I just I feel like it would involve more cooperation from the person whose balls are being slammed. He'd have to like stand up or at least hunch up a little bit. It just—I don't know. The yeah, dynamics like, work in my mind. Yeah, he'd have, he have to be like, "All right, you have to stand up. You got to pull your pants down. Yeah, uh, yeah. Put, put place your balls gingerly in the drawer. <laughs> like, there's there's a lot. I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't know. Yeah, like maybe I'm maybe I'm overthinking it. I don't know. But like, I remember. I, I, I want MythBusters on this. I want. <laughs> Let's recreate this. Reenactment. Yeah. <laughs> and find a willing person who's willing to, you know, have their balls slammed in a drawer. You know? Exactly. I mean, you know, go on Craigslist. I'm sure you can find something. <laughs> you know what? You're right. I hadn't thought of it, but yes, this yeah. could be better. So I don't, you know. I'll pay good money to have my <laughs> All right. All right. So, Joe. Oh, God. Kids, don't go on Craigslist. <laughs> yeah, don't. Don't go on the dark web. Don't go on Craigslist. That's this. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. So, Joe comes back with the chewing gum and the Snickers bar and the coffee. Muzz is uh, singing like a canary. He tells them that, yeah, I, he is a member of the Pagans. And they have a meeting set up that he was going to go to. And um, he he gives them the address about where it's going down and what's happening. Um, right. Yeah. So, they go. They decide to do a stakeout of where the Pagan meeting is going to be at. They go into cover. We see uh, Joe having like a like a mohawk and a leather jacket, and yeah. um, you know, like, looking like a the nineteen eighties fictionalized version of punk gang members. <laughs> right, exactly. And uh, Pep Streetbeck has like a fishnet on his head and like a mustache. It kind of looks vaguely Latino, I'll say, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
yes, and then they go stake the place out. Uh, they get well, pulled over. First, by the, oh, I was going to say, so they get, we think they're being pulled over by police. Right. Which turned out to be fake police. And I don't know which one was which, but I did, I did see in the credits that one of the fake police officers who turned, I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your toes here. No, um, no, go for it. Uh, one of the fake police officers who, you know, they just want to make their, uh, they're pagans and they just want to make sure that, you know, that when they pull them over, that they're also pagans going to this location and that they're not just random people. And one of the police officers is Peter Aykroyd. Oh, I did not know that. I should have known that. Yeah. No, it's, that, that's the one bit of uh, trivia I can bring to this. That, um, oh, yes. But I don't know. <laughs> But I was looking and I couldn't tell which one. Uh, Peter Aykroyd, who also did um, uh, a, a movie I'd have to see if it is any better than I remember it, called Nothing But Trouble. Uh, that was really just, I don't know, I, I never got into it. Yeah, like, um, it seems like Dan always tries to get his you know, his brother Peter into yeah. all his movies. He's, Peter's you know. like the Jim Belushi. <laughs> so, yes. you know. I was going to say Frank Stallone, but Jim Belushi is better. Uh, okay yeah <laughs> yeah because like i mean i think we talked about in the podcast too um peter Aykroyd actually wrote a song for um stripes is it stripes no okay. i'm sorry uh spies like us apologies he's uh, he uh, okay. has a song in uh you know his brother dan's movie spies like us yeah <laughs> but uh yeah so the cops pull them over sees that they're pagan they're like oh you're part of the brotherhood go go up on there man yeah, and um, yeah, and uh, so they go into what they thought would be like some small little meeting in like some dingy dive bar. Turns out to be this huge, like this huge sort of like Lollapalooza type of meeting yeah. in like a, this big empty field. There's like jumbotrons, red flags <laughs> with very uh, swastika looking uh, symbols on them. I mean, I yeah. think it was. I, I don't think they were trying to, you know subtle about how this kind of looked a little Nazi-ish. Yeah, no, they were totally going that way. And of course... And with, um, with your Proud Boy thing you said before, they're carrying uh, tiki torches. It was like they were ahead of their time, you know, for... Oh! I didn't even know that. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't like, know oh, that. That part holds up because, you know, <laughs> the bad guys had tiki torches. Yeah, that tracks. That tracks. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely like a Stonecutters, Proud Boy, Scientology type of vibe. Um, yeah. So they, all, was that? It's all men. All yeah, all all white dudes trying to try to take back their country, brother. Um, yeah. Uh, so they get there. They see like um, some of the stolen cars, if not all of them. That all the stolen police cars that you know were being stolen earlier on in the movie. Um, they they walk around. Somebody offers them uh, what a leg like lamb wool goat oh, leggings, yeah. goat goat skin pants or goat. Pants or yeah, goat leggings to wear. Like uh, so that yeah, so they have to wear the goat leggings around their legs. Uh, they see somebody else wearing like a pagan mask, offering them all types of pills. Yeah, these sort <laughs> of like goat masks, and yeah, just a, a tray full of colorful pills. Yes, exactly. It's very Valley of the Dolls. Um, and <laughs> then they, and then on the big jumbotron, they see uh, you know, pagan stands for people against goodness and normalcy. So I guess they're. That's their the movie's way of distancing themselves from you know the devil. <laughs> yes, yes. Although also kind of a nod to sort of on the show and you know the subculture and their heathenist ways and you know 
That's right. These youngsters, these these youngsters are topped up on goofballs. I tells you, <laughs> listening right. to the Hendrix. Well, because you know, I mean, I've only seen I, a few episodes, and I one of the episodes I've seen of the show is they're going after you know the hippie beatniks who are all on LSD, um, trying to climb through gutter holes and painting their face and stuff. And I feel like this was sort of a a little nod to that kind of thing. No, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so uh, we see that the event's about to begin. We see the high priest calls the meeting to order. Uh, it's this one dude in a big goat mask or ram's yeah. mask. By the way, even these horrible, horrible people still wear their masks. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so people out there not wearing your masks, even the pagans were wearing masks. Anyway. Very well, well played, sir. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> well played. Oh, boy. All right. Wow, that was a good one. Um, okay. Um, so, so the... So the the high priest is, the high priest calls him into order. He begins the sacrifice because apparently they're gonna sacrifice a virgin. Um, they toss in the bat, the lions, and the lion's mane. Both of those things that were stolen from yes. the zoo. Um, and then they bring out a uh, a woman dressed in the wedding dress that was stolen earlier. Yes. And uh, then they push her into this vat of smoking water, and. Yeah, it's I, I, even yeah. as a kid, I remember this being like, this is like I was like, oh my god, this is uh, this is a bit much. This is harrowing. Yeah, was, it was pretty dark. Yeah, this this it was gnarly. Um, so as the woman, as they push the woman into the vat of water, Pep and Joe, you know, spring into action. They jump in, try to, and save the woman. And of course, in the vat of water already is the uh, anaconda, the the snake yes. that was stolen from the zoo too. So. It's them trying to rescue the woman. They find out, you know, she's a virgin, uh, which kind of is pretty much another running gag throughout the movie that she right, never right. had sex. Um, Pep gives the python the pills he took earlier to like sort right, of sedate him. The python to to make the python stop killing like, them. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's self defense. Yeah. Um, so the guys make their escape, and of course, uh, everybody in the at the meeting, at the rally, uh, or, or chant "Kill the good, kill the good." Right, they uh, right. they kind of punch and shoot their way out of it. Uh, the virgin sees the high priest without his mask; it falls off. Well, Turns she not, out, I thought she knocked the mask off. I think, so. yeah. I th- oh, yeah. I think she like somehow the priest got to the ground, and like she knocked his mask off, and she saw his face. It was, of course, uh, Reverend Worley, Christopher Plummer. Yes. He's a bad yes. guy. Dun dun dun! Exactly, and of course he tries to hap, you know hide his face and, and run away. Um, they steal back the car that was stolen from them. They make an escape. They smash through the gate and just they just barely make it out with their lives. Right, and of course as um, you know the, the the virgin whose name is uh, Connie Swale, uh, you know says thank you guys so much for you saved my lives. He's like hey I'm and Joe introduces himself and the two of them already there's like a romantic chemistry like yes. you can see oh like oh this is the romantic uh the romantic uh part An- another um joke that i didn't get where they drive up to her house that looks like like a fairy tale snow white kind of house and uh pet streetback says can the beaver come out and play and like, <laughs> oh, I see. It was a double on time okay ah, rrr, hey now <laughs> yeah. pg-13 
yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, so Joe drops off Connie at her home. He says, I'll have a police lady uh, at your home just to make sure everything's okay. And you could tell already there's romantic uh, sparks between the two. They they are smitten, as it were. Uh, So, yeah. So the next day comes up. uh, Pep and Joe tell, actually, no, uh, later that night, because they want to tell the captain exactly what happened. Uh, Pep and Joe tell the captain. 3 a.m., and he's pissed. Yeah, because, you know, it's 3 a.m. No, sure. He's an old man. He needs to sleep. I never (laughs) sleeps. (laughs) <laughs> oh, nice. Sit <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there you go. There, there you it go. is. Rule of threes, people. Rule of threes. Um, <laughs> so the captain doesn't believe a word they say. Um, Pep and Joe want, you know, want them to go back down to where it happened. They can show them everything. Um, so Pep and Joe and the captain and the police commissioner go down there. And it uh, turns out nothing's there. It's absolutely empty. Right. The jumbotron. I don't know how they took down a jumbotron from the mountains yeah. like they did. <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's you need a crane for that. But like, there's absolutely nothing there. That's a jumbotron too. That's not even like you know. Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta get a union guy for that. Last screen kind of thing. You know. Yeah, it's not. They didn't just. It wasn't like some Samsung smart TV up there. It was a. <laughs> bit, it was a big deal. Uh, so yeah. So there's no evidence of anything happening last night, as they say. Um, so the captain kind of scolds them. The commissioner gives them a talking to and takes them off the case saying, uh, you, you two, yeah. you two renegades don't know what you're talking about. You're off the case. You're, but you're also no good they mentioned that she is a civilian. And I thought, wouldn't the commissioner be like a former police officer or, uh, maybe, wait, so she, they think she was still a civilian, even though she was a police commissioner. Right. Well, I think because at some point, um, Joe Friday says to her, like, um, you know, you wouldn't understand because you're a civilian. And she's like, well, now you're going to you keep it up and you'll be a civilian, too, or something like that. And I was like, hmm. how did she get to be commissioner? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, she pulled some strings Maybe. or something. Maybe. Uh, it, it is a city of crime. Evan. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> a city of uh, crime. You know. City of crime. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, so they're off the case because you know uh, they, I guess they, you know they have no proof of what happened last night. Right. right. Uh, the captain is saying, "Oh, your your uncle Joe would be ashamed of you right now." Right. Right. <laughs> Which you know that hurts, man. Hey. Oh, of course. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, Somebody who worked with him. You know. Yeah. Uh, so they have Connie come down to the precinct. That he she looks through all the uh, all the books of criminals. Doesn't recognize any of them as the pagan right. priest um and then uh what, what do we go oh yeah and then we uh cut back to the next day where um joe picks up pep strebeck from his apartment we see of course pep uh, strebeck is sleeping with the cop yes <laughs> you know and, uh, and, a, a, uh, use of the uh, handcuffs yeah you know pretty lady cop and <laughs> um and as they make their way back to their car boom it car their car blows up Yes. They're, they're, go- they're going through cars quite a bit. Yes, which is also a running thing. And they and, and they get a uh, a Yugo. Yeah, which of course. For, for the youngsters who don't know, was Yugoslavia tried to uh, make a really crappy car in the eighties that didn't quite stick. Yeah, I mean a Yugo car is pretty much the punchline for uh, a lot of hack comedians in the eighties for quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the car gets blown up. They're like, "Oh, I think we're 
we must be on to something. We need to get a cup of coffee. And Pepsi is like, all right, I know a great place where we can go get some coffee. It's a strip bar. It's a stri- we finally got to the strip bar. We're there. <laughs> but, we're there, people. But, <laughs> you know, I'll say, I'll say this because you said it, there was no technically full nudity. The woman is wearing pasties. so Right. And, like, so, the, so we cut to the strip bar literally like a minute of a woman's, you know, but dry rating on a pole. It really, yeah. It didn't need to be that long. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's, you know. It's, it's a, yeah. Uh, it's, it's not very feministy. No, 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 no. It's like somebody somebody called in a favor for that one. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then, and then you can hear in the background uh, Patti LaBelle singing a song that's on the Dragnet soundtrack. I thought called, it sounded like Patti. Yeah. It was Patti LaBelle. It's a song called Just the Facts. Uh, written and produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Okay. So um, yeah, so the two of them are having coffee in a strip club as as you do. And, and even he, Joe says, you know, I gotta admit, this is good coffee. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So Pep and so Pep says, well, look, even though we're off the case, that doesn't mean we can't look into some of the other unsolved cases that are connected to right. that case. So we can look into the the chemical freight train theft, right, and we can bring. They, they've been tipped that there might be drugs being made there, right? So we can bring uh, the Narcan on it. So let's do right. that. And so uh, Pep makes a call to some of his his connections through uh, through narcotics, and he finds out that there's gonna be that there's an illegal drug lab in this uh, milk front, this uh, this right, milk uh, company front. It looks like it's a, it's for milk, but it's for you know. It's a front. It's a cover. That's right. And exactly. It's telling drugs in there. It's telling the, the devil's the devil's <laughs> play toys. Smack and pow and boom. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so we see Joe going by himself into this sketchy part of the neighborhood, you know, just waiting for Pep to get there. And, uh, you know, we, then we have this little scene where Joe gets approached by uh, some street toughs. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, one white dude, one black dude, one Asian dude. I was going to say, to their credit, they kept it diverse. They yes, just, you know, it's very, but, very, Benet- very Benetton. Right. And, uh, the Asian guy has nunchucks. The Asian guy does have nunchucks. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I look at some of these older movies, and through my PC, you know, lib eyes, and you know, uh, yeah, I. I t- this this I actually was surprised not to find too much that wouldn't hold up now, but that was kind of that was a little like okay, the Asian guy is nunchucks, really. Yeah, I I wrote that with like exclamation points, like oh, the Asian guy has the Asian right. guy has a no lines and b nunchucks. Okay, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we also see that Joe can handle himself. He's able to yes. you know rough up these these hoodlums, yeah. and no they gun. go run yeah. no gun yeah. just. Yeah. He's a man's man. Just you know, just, just he, all he, he can he can he can do the fisticuffs. He's, exactly. And like as he uh, takes them out and the arms them and they run away scared, he just looks at them, shakes his head, and goes, "And on a school night too." On a school night, yes, because <laughs> they're because <laughs> they're young ruffians and the they should be in school. Be in school, yes. Right. So, uh, so next scene, uh, we see that paint that uh, Pep is there with the narcotics team. They smashed through the uh, milk company with a with a tank. <laughs> yes, I always I, I wondered as a kid. I'm like, does the police department get a tank? And as we know these days, 
Uh, yes, sadly. Um, some police departments do have military-grade material. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about that. Yeah, there's another scene later on in the movie where that definitely... Yes, and, on, and on the battering ram on the tank is, have a nice day. Of course, you know, because politeness. Yeah, because yeah. I, I do remember that being a thing, like, in the 80s, where cops would bust in with tanks through, like, you know, through, the like, the hood of Compton and, like, you know, lower-income yeah. neighborhood and just, like, rush it up and... Yeah, uh, defund the police, people. I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> but uh, but exactly. so they smash it. Yeah. yeah, so they they smash into the place. Turns out it is a milk factory. It, there's no right. drugs here. Milk spills everywhere. It's uh, it ain't looking good. It's not a right. drug lab. Uh, so as they go, as they leave, they apologize to the milk people, and then they just, I guess, nothing happens. No harm, no foul. And uh, I think because he mentions he's like, well, technically, because we had a search warrant, they can't really do anything. But uh, they're not happy. Mm. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Uh, oh, the police, man. even in even in the comedies, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, as they leave, we find out that the com- that the chemicals were actually in the catering warehouse next door. So maybe they moved it or something. So they were they were close, but. Uh, no cigar. Yeah, you might have been tipped off that this was going to happen. Right. So as they make their way back home, calling it a night, we as they drive back home in the Yugo, uh, we see Pep watches some TV on his watch, which apparently which, was... A, way, as a kid, I was like, how the hell do I get that? I thought that was some Inspector Gadget shit. Like, that exists in yeah. real life. And I it turns out... I may not have, but I, I imagine, too, though, it was... It was small, black and white. He had a little antenna on it. I mean, it probably didn't get good reception, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. As it turns out, it it was a real thing. Uh, Seiko oh, invented oh. it. Yes, yeah, Seiko invented it in 1983. Had a black and white display and a separate battery pack slash tuner about the size of a Walkman. Wow. Okay. So to, Again, so though, things... I'm guessing it probably didn't fare well with uh, you know reception, but. Yeah, uh, reception. You probably had to like stay in one place and not move at right, all. Right. But you know, it's I don't know. It's that's, that's whatever technology. That's still pretty uh, cool back then. Yeah, it's still pretty rad. Uh, and then so we see Pep is watching a uh, some type of uh, foundation dinner, Law and Order Foundation dinner, where the uh, the captain is there, and we see um, the Reverend is there, the police commissioner, and the mayor is there, and of course the police commissioner is saying. You know, this town's all fucked up. The mayor should resign. There's pagans running right. around ste- stealing chemicals and shit. Like, you know, shit ain't right and blah, blah, blah. And, right, and, right. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, the reverend says some words saying that, you know, things are so bad that uh, Mr. Jerry Caesar, the, the, the smut peddler, is uh, is being generous and donate, donating $1 million to my cause to clean up the, clean up the streets. And so... Yeah. I guess very like, about it. Yeah, exactly. So it seems like like the Reverend and uh, Jerry Caesar are like now in uh, cahoots together. Right, right. And uh, so uh, next up, we see Joe dropping off Pep at his place. Joe says, "Yeah, I got to go. I have plans." Pep is like, "Yeah, plans? Where are you going?" And it's like, "I have plans. I'm not telling you." And he just takes yeah. off. And uh, Pep is very, he's very curious to see what exactly his plans are. He follows him on his motorcycle. <laughs> and yes, uh, 80s motorcycle. Yes, he has, a cr- he has a crotch rocket. He does and, have a 
And uh, yeah, he takes off, follows him, and he we see that he, uh, Joe Friday is picking up his grandmother, um, uh, Grandma, Grandma Monday. Monday. Get it? Monday, yeah, Monday. Yeah, did, you yeah. get, did, did you get that, Ev? Did, did you get I that? did. I told you that. You know what? I think I did. I think I did. Because <laughs> his name is Monday. And, and he's, it sounds he's Friday, and she's Monday. And yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, great. I, I can't. <laughs> High concept comedy. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So yeah. So uh, Pep, you know, horns in, introduces himself, and uh, Grandma Monday is, you know, likes Pep very much because he's very likable. And you know, she's like, "Oh yes, my, you know, my grandson Joe is taking me out to my favorite restaurant for my birthday." And of course, Pep kind of invites himself, and then all three yeah, of them go cool. together. But uh, you know, Joe's very indignant. indignant Indignant? Indignant. There you go. Thank you. About uh, it because uh, somebody else is going to be there that Joe wants to introduce his grandma he to. Because he has a date. And we see grandma's like, you have a date? Oh, I'm so proud. Because it's, apparently it's, Joe doesn't date much. Yeah, I don't know much about um, the character Joe Friday from the old TV show. Like, I don't think they get into his like romantic relationships uh, too much on the show. I don't uh, believe he's that. Married to, he's married to the badge. That's right. <laughs> City of crime. Okay. <laughs> okay. Still not old yet, people. All right. So, um, okay. Uh, so they get to the restaurant, um, and uh, I guess it becomes a double date because Pep is getting very chummy with Grandma Mundy, yes. and uh, we see that uh, Connie Swain is Joe's date, and the, yes. and the, the four of them are having a, a lovely dinner together, and. At the Brown uh, Derby. At the Brown Derby, as you do. Very hard to get reservations. and uh, <laughs> and uh, But we also see that uh, some other people are also at the Brown Derby. We see the Reverend, Reverend Worley, uh, the police commissioner, and Captain Gannon are also sitting there uh, having dinner. Uh, yes. Connie, the Virgin Connie Swain sees his face, the Reverend's face. She freaks out. It's like, oh my God, that's him, that's him. And uh, so Joe and Pepper are like, they're freaking out a little bit. Then Joe says, like, "Yeah, you, yeah. We, that can't be the guy. You've got to be sure because he's a he's a reverend. He's a big time, well loved person in the community, right? And like, are you hundred percent sure? Because if I if I do this, it's it ain't going to be great. And right. she, but she's like, no, it's definitely him. So Joe's like, all right, got to arrest the reverend. <laughs> yeah, and we he follow him to the bathroom to do it. Right, you know, discreet." <laughs> yeah. Um, so he arrests him in the in the bathroom in the men's room stall while he's dropping a deuce. Uh, yes. I think I, I hope he. I don't think they washed their hands before they he arrested. That kind of got to me too. He didn't. <laughs> well, first off, gross. But also, Joe didn't let him wash his hands. You'd think Joe would let him wash his hands. Yeah. You know, hygiene man. Good, good lord. Yeah. And of course, um, so he walks out with the priest and the reverend in cuffs. The police commissioner and the captain see this, and they're like, "What are you doing? Oh, yeah. You know, I'll, you know, I'll release this man right now, and take you're you're off the force." Like immediately, the police commissioner isn't having it, and he demands that the reverend is uh, let go, and you know he he takes uh, Joe Friday's badge, which this always this bugged me. Like, how come Connie Swain didn't say anything, or no one? Asked him because, like Joe said, no, uh, this is this uh, this reverend. 
he, you know, he's he's the head of Pagan and he right. like, did all these horrible things. And the police commissioner just dismisses all of it, saying that can't, that's not possible. You get out of right. here. You're off the force. And like, there's an eyewitness right there that saw yeah. everything. Watching him, yeah, get his badge taken away. Yeah, yeah, like believe all women. Like, how come she didn't? No one asked her anything. She didn't say anything. Like, no not one. Not cool. Not cool. No one. No one's gonna ask the eyewitness that was there that night that saw everything. And at that point, I would just be like, uh, "We're breaking up now," you know. Yeah, like I know we were not officially together, but now I can't. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, so the Reverend goes free, and you know. Uh, oh, Joe can, is... can I just say, by the way, I just want to interject that uh, you know the reoccurring uh, virgin joke, uh, and we're the Virgin Chronicles guy. Hey, you know I'm, I'm guys. You know we're anyway. Sorry, mild coincidence. I'm just throwing it out. <laughs> okay. Oh, Virgin Virgin. Yeah, yeah. I did know that that is like a reoccurring, like I said, a reoccurring thing yeah. with this character. That there's not much to this character. Like they just. Say she's a virgin. Yeah. They don't say um, why. They don't say you know. Yeah, they don't get into they it. Say she's a self or God or something. You know, yeah, she's in me- She's immediately in love with Joe and fascinated with yeah. him, but she doesn't have. There's not too much to her. She kind of talks in like a right. breathy whisper a lot. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, that's the other thing. I want. Like, I wonder if that's her voice in real life. Like, yeah, like okay. oh, Joe. oh, Joe. Oh, I can tell you <laughs> anything. You're so strong. Ooh. Yes. Uh, well, they have the um, at the scene. Uh, at the pagan uh, festival, or whatever you want to call it, where <laughs> she says, "Oh, how come yours is so much smaller than his?" To Joe, and he's like, "What?" She's like, "Your gun," and he's like, "Because I don't need any more than this." Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> City of <Christ>! <laughs> Why do I have a feeling uh, when this gets edited, there's going to be like five of those get edited out, or you know. I I hope not. I hope it's all in. <laughs> it's all gold, baby. Oh, I I think so. But, you know. Damn straight. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So uh, Joe is you know dejected. He's off. He's not a cop anymore. Um, Pep takes uh, the grandmother out for chili dogs, and she yes. gets on the back of his motorcycle. And I I wrote down. Are they gonna bone? Like there was a lot. Yeah. Was, you know what? That's uh. He seemed he seemed to really go all the way with uh, seducing her. You know? Yeah, like I mean, that's he just has, apparently has sex with everybody. So yeah, hey, city of crime. <laughs> like, he, like his character is just very flirt. Yeah, his character is like very loving, you know, flirtatious and lovable. Yeah. But like there was, it, they gave off a vibe like, oh, it, it might go down tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So Joe drives Connie home. They stop at like some lookout point to talk. The um, 80s music kicks right in. Yeah, you hear that 80s that guitar. 80s, yeah. Yeah, damn straight. That's that's my soundtrack. <laughs> um, so they they look out at the stars, they have a nice little heart to heart. Connie asks him, Has there ever been a Mrs. Have you ever, you know, has there ever been a Mrs. Yeah, Friday? Else, yeah. yeah, and it they they he never says that he's a virgin too, but they kind of allude to the fact that he's right, never had, right. that he's never had a partner right. or Maybe he's never even kissed a girl. I don't know. But like they, they allude that he's in, in the ways of love, he's he's very naive. Right. So as they get closer and they're about to kiss, uh, we see Amel Muzz shows up, uh, lifts their car fully up and flips it over. Lifts very discreet. Very discreet. 
Yes. <laughs> I guess it, it. I guess it says more about the car, the Yugo. Yeah, I was wondering if that's just—is he that strong, or is that car just that light? It's a Yugo. I mean, yeah. odds are. <laughs> um, yeah. So then we see that Amal Mud uh, has a shotgun and takes the, the two of them captive. Yeah, um, at the L.A. Observatory. At I think the observatory. I think it's something that L.A. people know a little bit more. Yeah, the obser- Yeah, at the observatory. Right. Uh, so cut to we now we have Pep Striebeck doing the narration. Um, he wakes up in bed with uh, some other lady cop. I don't know if it's the same lady cop or another blonde, pretty lady cop. I, I'm gonna. I'm with you. I kind of couldn't really tell because yeah. they, I don't know. Yeah. He keeps them all. Like it seems like he's just sleeping with all the women in his yeah. part, which is with their, their flowery 1980s hair. Their yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you should shit where you eat, but like apparently he's. Yeah, that was the other thing. Like, wow, that's not yeah, like yeah. They, they, people talk. People talk. Yeah. Yeah. So of course he, they show him um, with a woman on his chest. He's about to grab some rubbers, but he's all out. A really big box too. A huge box of of, of condoms. Yes. I was like, Jesus. Yeah. He he be fuck. He out here. <laughs> he's he be fucking. But he's, um, he's safe, you know. It's... Yeah, he's safe sex. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, that's, yeah. that's a. Yeah, for the kids. Good message for the kids. Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he finds out that Joe and Connie haven't made it home yet. Thinks something on his hamburger phone. Very nice. On his, on his hamburger phone. Very Juno. Yes. <laughs> his hamburger phone. He finds out that Joe and Connie never made it home. He thinks something's amiss. Um, he that. So then we cut to a scene where uh, uh, Caesar, uh, Jerry Caesar, and Worley are meeting in a cemetery. Worley says that the mayor isn't resigning, so they need to push more pressure on him to resign. Uh, so what they wanted, to, what they want to do is uh, the mayor is going to be at the um, at this huge this huge party because there's always a huge party in these movies. This this right. gala at there's always a huge party, always. Yes, there's always <laughs> a get for whatever reason. There's a there's a gala. There's a, you need a gala. Yes. Uh, so there's going to be a gala at uh, Jerry's mansion. It's the 25th anniversary of uh, Bait Magazine, his magazine. And um, so they want to make sure that the mayor's there and they want to make him get them all good and liquored up and in uh, compromising positions. Yes. So they and can... in order to do that, they have uh, Jerry Caesar donate a million dollars. Right, exactly. So the million dollars was like... That's what was, the million dollars is for. It was, it was Bait to get him in at, into ah. the gala. Aha! Well See played, the level, well levels, levels. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So once they once they blackmail the mayor, he'll be ousted, and the police commissioner will become the mayor. I guess that's how politics work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that doesn't sound right, but I'll, we'll go with it. The, yeah, it's a little. The plan's a little messy. So, and then they say, well, once the police commissioner is mayor, she loves me. She's in my pocket. So once she's the mayor, then you and I will rule the city 50 You old. You'll take you'll rule all the degenerates and um, right. you know filth mongers, and I will rule over all the you know all the God fearing yes. conservatives. So like and all the people who are going to come to me because they hate you, exactly. And all the people will come to you because they hate me, and that's it, fifty right. fifty. And yes. uh, yeah, and of course he's cool with that. And as he leaves, we see that the police commissioner was hiding behind a, a tombstone. Heard the whole thing. You know, getting really close to the reverend, saying, "I don't, I don't trust him," and of yeah. course, that's because it seems like the police commissioner has the hots for the reverend. 
again, Liz yeah. Hope, which it, yeah, and that was I couldn't. It was it was a little bit. They didn't quite. No, she she was all she was all on him. She was all up on him. Yeah. Uh, and then the Reverend says, "Hey, you know that that filth monger thinks he's gonna he's gonna make it through the night. That uh, that heathen. Ha 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 ha." So now we see that um, that he that the Reverend plans on killing him, uh, Jerry Caesar, that night. So things things are a play. Things are a play. Yes. Uh, so um, Pep, yeah. So Pep wondering what happened to Joe Friday. Looks at the Polaroid uh, picture again. He sees the that oh, this was taken at Muscle Beach. He goes to Muscle Beach, sees Emil Muzz, who is you know I guess still hasn't been arrested for anything. <laughs> he says. They see him lifting weight. He pulls a gun on him and say, "Hey, where's Joe Friday?" You know, following procedure. Yeah, yeah of course, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> as you do. And uh, so then we cut to the observatory. Joe and Connie tied together, being held there. Uh, Whirly comes in, takes Connie, I guess, as his bride or something. Or yeah, I guess he's kidnapping her, and he the intent is he's going to, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's got the hot for her, or he finds it cool to, you know, get with a virgin. Or I don't know. That's <laughs> yeah. That that part was kind of ambiguous. Right. Um, yeah, and then he basically tells him his his evil plans that he's gonna kill uh, Caesar with the chemicals he stole from the freight train, and once Caesar is gone, he'll be able to control both sides of the city. Um, I, I don't. I don't think this is the greatest of plans, but yeah. it seems to be his plan. No, no one would ever find out that he's both the reverend and the pagan leader. I think. Well, I think his thinking is like no one knows he controls the pagans. So right, once, right. so once Jerry gets killed by the pagans, they'll look to him, the good reverend, to stop the pagans and do whatever he can to reel them in and bring honor and yeah, you know I, yeah, and whatnot yeah, back yeah, to the city. Yeah, not the, not uh, not the best plan, but yeah. Also, but this did give this did have one of my favorite lines in it, where Joe dresses him down, saying, "Just like every other uh, foaming rabbit psycho in the city with a foolproof plan, you've forgotten you're facing the single finest single <laughs> single finest fighting force ever assembled." And then Worley's the Israelis, <laughs> the Isra- exactly the Israelis. I like that line. I dug it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, the Reverend makes off with Connie in the limo going to the gala. As that happens, we see Pep pull up in his crotch rocket. Saxophone music a playing. It's of the course. 80s. Gotta have the sax. Yeah. I, I still believe. And he, he, rescues, he rescues Joe. Uh, they, there's a big old shootout. They make their escape. Uh, Joe gets on the back of Pep's. Uh, crotch rocket, and they, they go after Connie, and then so they're outside the party. They see, you know, people making their way in. We see Whirly's there. Peps tells Joe, "You can't go in because you're not a cop anymore. If you go in, yeah, police commissioner yeah. gets wind of this. Like that's it. She'll have you arrested, and that's that's that." So exactly. and call me Pep because he yeah. never calls me Pep. Yeah, because he always oh. called him, you know, Bub buddy and, uh, or, yeah. and Buddy, or, you know, uh, you know, Junior or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, you know, I'm looking out for you, buddy. I'm, you're my partner. So you stay here. I'll, I'll go in. So Pep goes in, cases the joint. He sees that uh, he sees that where they're pumping in the the chemicals. 
to to kill off everybody in the place. I guess including Jerry. I guess they're going to kill everybody in there, including Jerry. Yeah, yeah, I, I um, yeah and then that we see everyone. Yeah, seen and, the entire house, yeah, yeah. You know, be thorough. <laughs> and then we also see that uh, the people uh, who are in the catering company who are part of the Pagans, they they have like a mountain of the magazine stolen from the beginning of the movie. They're pouring gasoline on it, about to set the whole thing on fire. Yes, um, which I didn't understand why they were doing it again, but I guess... I think, again, I think it's all for the optics. I think, because like, as, as it's happening, we see, um, you know, Whirly's there and he's he's making nice. Right. He makes sure he gets the money from... Um, he gets some money from Jerry, the, the million dollar donation, and once That's he has a donation, no yeah, there was no Venmo back then. Exactly, it's all, it's all, it's all checks and money orders. Uh, so, so once he got the money, he he made it his exit, and he told uh, Emil Muzz, who's there pouring gasoline on the magazine, saying, "All right, make sure you leave the pagan calling card. Make sure you right. leave our our business cards around, so everybody knows the pagans did this." And you know, right. then I'll 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 rule with I'll control them all because like they'll look to me to save right. this this city from the pagans, and so right. I guess that's that was his plan, which is still I guess so. Yeah, it's, it's a wobbly a plan. Being burned, I don't, you know. Yeah, it's a wobbly plan. Yeah, they're burning a lot of magazines. Um, uh, Pep Strebeck sees all this go down. He he makes a call in to the captain. Get the SWAT team down here. They're all here. They're bring all here. Yeah, yeah, bringing the cavalry, which. Uh, Gannon does. We see the the SWAT team come in through with the tank. Have a nice day. Big old shootout. Big old explosions and what have you. Uh, we see Joe rolls in. He's in the tank because, you know, he can't stay away because he's a cop. Right, uh, right. And he pops his head out with the shotgun just shooting shooting like a madman. And we have Pet Streebeck say, of course, thank God it's Friday. Yes. <laughs> The Clever. one time they did a, a play on his name. Exactly. I mean, aside from Grandma Monday, but, you know. Exactly. Um, so, of course, they see uh, Emil Muzz gets arrested. Uh, Joe and Pep find out that uh, Whirly is off making his escape to Mexico because he left with uh, the Virgin Connie Swale. And he leaves is... the commissioner who's shocked. And... Right. Like, he meets the commissioner there at the uh, airport. At the where his plane's about to take off, the commissioner's like, "The cops, they know everything. It's over. It's over. What are we gonna do?" And then, uh, turns out, what they're gonna do is the Reverend is gonna leave the commissioner there, yeah. While she, while he takes off the plane with uh, the Virgin, and she's like, "I can't believe, I can't believe the bad guy double crossed me. What is this?" Exactly, this guy who double crosses everyone is double crossing me. Right. Um. So. Joe and Pep find out that he's making his way to Mexico. So, because I guess once he gets to Mexico, he's out of jurisdiction or whatever. Um, so they say, "All right, let's move." Gannon's there. He gives Joe back his badge and says, "Oh, I, I didn't have the heart to turn your badge. Right, you, right. You're a good, you're a good cop. <laughs> now go get him." And of course, uh, Joe and Pep drive uh, to the airport to where they're at. Joe's behind the wheel, but now that he's a man in love, uh, a man who almost. Kiss the girl. They never kiss in this movie. He almost right, kissed the right. girl, but that's enough to make him all reckless and just drive like a madman through the streets of L.A. He's driving so, the wrong. So crazy that Pep is scared. Yeah, Pep is like, "Whoa, whoa, what are you doing, man?" 
he's driving the wrong way down a one-way street at yes. times. Because, again, he didn't – he almost kissed her. But that's enough to be well, like, he, I – Who knows, you know, this could be his, his chance to finally, uh, you know. Seal the deal. Seal the deal. Look, 12-year-old Darren gets it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, you, you can almost kiss a girl. All you have to do is drive – Drive like a maniac to get her. I'm in. Yeah, that's not, that's all. Just you know. I'll, yeah, I'll run some lights. Dangerously through LA, you know. That's... Yeah, twelve year old Darren. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm so lonely. <laughs> uh, so, um, so then... <laughs> uh, do, you, do you need to talk, Darren? I feel like you're... no. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm fine. I mean, twelve year old Evan was lonely too, but you know, I I, I got past it. You know. So you wouldn't drive. Like, like Joe drove to 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 save this girl who you knew would kiss you. Like, Probably like at sixteen, because I was so lonely then. Yes, yeah, so yeah. Mm, I see. All right, see, <laughs> I get it. This is this is why Mario went through what he did, went through to kiss the princess at the end of the Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> it all makes sense. It all ties yep. together. Yep. All right, so uh, Joe and Pep they drive like maniacs. They get to the airport, only to find out they're too late. The Reverend's already. In the air with the Virgin Connie Swale, they miss their, damn it, it's too late. Cut to a scene where, um, you know, uh, the Reverend and Connie Swale are flying to Mexico. Of course, the Reverend is saying creepy things like, don't worry, my love, you'll, you'll come to love me in time. Mm. Yes, and he's, he's caressing her cheek. and it's, yeah. Yes. He thinks it's smooth, but it's super creepy. Yeah, and yeah. Um, they turned our head. Turns out uh, the LAPD has an Air Force because an airplane, like a yeah. twin jet, or just pulls up it, right it, next it's to it. Like it's like an Air Force style jet. It's like a like a F fourteen like, that the LAPD just happens to have. Yeah, it's like Top Gun. Like yeah. <laughs> they pull a fighter jet right next to them. We see Joe is there in the back. You know, tells them to pull pull over or pull down right. or land the plane. And I was like, LAPG, they, did LAPG have jets? Do they have jets? Not just that, but I didn't understand why the Reverend didn't just fly faster and get to Mexico. What were they going to do? Shoot the plane down with the Virgin in it? Yeah, it's it's just the one jet. Like, Yeah, but like, but they, they weren't going to open fire on the jet if they had weapons. And the, all he could do is just get to Mexico and then he's fine. Yeah, they're out of their jurisdiction. I was about so to. I, say. I didn't quite understand that one. Yeah, and like from LA to Mexico, that's not. I mean, that's not a far flight. You could get into Mexico from LA fairly yeah. quickly, fairly so, quickly, yeah. and be like, "All right, I'm 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 in Mexico now. You, you can't touch me." Right. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's a, I don't know. they dropped the ball on that one. I don't know. Oh boy, yeah, defund <laughs> the police. Yeah, exactly. All right, so uh, they land the jet. The Reverend gets arrested. Gets, you know, uh, the, they, uh, they do the thing on the, um, uh, you know, what they do at the end of the sh uh, Dragon at the show where they show him, uh, you know, in jail, getting a mugshot taken, and they do the little crawl of, he went to jail for this long, for these many terms, and for this reason. Right, exactly. It's, it's very reminiscent of the old show. So right. there are a lot of, like, nods and Easter eggs to the original right, show. I right, right. And uh, yeah, so uh, the Reverend gets arrested. Uh, Joe gets the girl. They almost kiss again, but they don't because Pep, you know, interrupts him. He's like, "Oh wow, what a collar!" Right, right. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
he, yeah. he, he cockblocks him, you know, that's right. And uh yeah, so cuts we see that the Reverend went away or you know, went away for a while, and then we cut to the the final scene where Joe and Pep, you know, officially reinstated their cops again. Uh, Pep uh, gets a ride to the station from another lady cop that he was he was boning. Yes, uh, of course he said. Yeah, he he's just running through the entire through the whole force. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. and uh, of course Pep says, "I think the lady cop says, oh, are you? Am I going to see you tonight?'" And Pep's like, "Of course, I'm wearing your underwear." So yes, <laughs> he, he's into some stuff. Joe rolls his eyes. <laughs> right, and uh, he meets up with Joe. Who like you know still doesn't approve of his ways, but has a has a has more respect for him now than he right. did earlier on. And then uh, Pep says, "Hey, what do you what you do this weekend, Joe?" And then uh, Joe says, "None of your business." But I had a very lovely evening with uh, Connie Swale. And yes. and then Pep says, "Wait, whoa, whoa! Don't you mean the Virgin Connie the Swale?" Virgin? Yeah. And then of course we see Joe not saying anything, but gives him a it look, raises an eyebrow, like you know, like the Rock. We we yes. hear the. <laughs> We hear the Dragnet theme song playing. You know, well, and, and, and Pep's a little uh, taken aback. Oh my goodness! Right. Finally, so, you know. I know. Busted that uh, nut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and uh, yeah, and that and that's our that's our movie. Then of course they go into uh, the song that we're going to talk about. Uh, City of Crime. Darren has been magnificently. Uh, singing the chorus to throughout this episode. Yeah, um, so uh, it is one of it. In hindsight, it is definitely one of those you want to you want to do the thing where they're like, kids now watch this video from Dragon. You know, uh, how do they respond? Yeah, so basically, there's like I've been saying it throughout this uh, episode. They made a song called "City of Crime" for this movie, where uh, it's Dan Dan Aykroyd. And Tom Hanks doing like a rap rock <laughs> song. Yeah, it is. It's you know you could and very like eighty style rap kind of you know what what the grown ups thought of it rap was you know. Yeah, like this out this movie came out a year after uh, the Beastie Boys licensed to ill. So and I could sort of see because like it seemed like they were trying, especially Tom Hanks. He was trying to have like that kind of ad rock Beastie Boys. Yeah, rap, rapping style to it, and they and they they have a choreographed dance. Yeah, there's choreographed dance. If the video is, the video took me a while to get through it because like I I kept cringing and laughing through it and oh, like oh yeah oh yeah I, it's it, it is oh, you boy. don't you don't see Tom Hanks uh, Oscar winner you see Tom Hanks uh, hip hop rapper dancer extraordinaire. Yeah, and I, I'm putting rapping in quotes because it's very yeah, much like... This wasn't the start to a career. Yeah, no, it was the end of it. <laughs> this is, it was it was a lot like, hey, Joe, they, they're committing crimes. That ain't right. Yeah. <laughs> we, gotta read, we gotta arrest them and read them. Yeah, right. I, thought it, I thought it sounded cool, and that was probably the effect, so I had the 45. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's get into this. Where did you get the 45? Uh, you know, I, I believe it was is either Specs or a place Q records and tapes we had. Um, I don't know if that was a chain or not. Uh, yeah, you know, at the record store. I mean, oh, okay. So you bought this purposefully. You went out and like, I need to yes. get as a kid. 
So I'm sure my parents bought it for me, but like, yeah, I, I was, I was eight years old and I, I wanted okay. to listen to this regularly. Okay. All right. If you were eight, I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't listen to it now. Um, I haven't found, I haven't found the remastered uh, CD or MP3 of it, you know? Oh uh, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I guess the soundtrack's probably pretty hard to find right now, but yeah. I so have, well, I actually did have the full record too. Oh boy. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but yeah, like so. Yeah, so I mean, the video is just a sight to see. I, I, you have to check it out. I recommend anyone check it out just because it's it. You you just have to have seen it. Yeah, because it is like we say it's 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 rap rock. It's kind of it sounds like they're trying to do like a Run DMC, Walk This Way, Beastie Boys right. type of vibe, but it also has choreographed dancers. It has you know women. Um, and like you know, they look like the Rockets and doing choreographed dance while dressed. Yeah, it's a little. There's a little of that going on, and it's definitely. Uh, yeah, we and we have, good. yeah, we have people like dressed in the pagan gear with the goat leggings and yeah. the and the goat head masks, like choreographed and, and dancing and behind them. Character who raps back to them. It's like a rap off. Yeah, I think it's. it's I think. Yeah, I think that guy is one of the guys that actually wrote the actual song. I'll look into it, but I believe that's okay. one of the actual artists that like uh, wrote and produced the song uh, and, and all. I'm, I mean, I, I'm guessing it did not get a Grammy. I, I'm just, I I don't think it did. And uh, yeah, and it's them doing like these choreographed dance moves that are pretty simplistic and just like I I don't know if they thought like I can't understand. I I still trying to debate whether they knew this was ridiculous and they were just playing into the absurdity of it or that they actually think this was really good. I, I, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like they, I mean, it's a goofy song clearly, but I feel like this was promotional for the, for the, for the movie. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, and towards the end of the movie, we see them like, uh, not in their regular, you know, garb, like the suit and tie. We see them wearing right. like, Short shorts, like they're beat cops, or yeah, they look like they're or like they're they're you know traffic cops or something. Like yeah, like the like they're bicyclists and they're, they're cops. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I was like, the fuck is this? <laughs> um, yeah, definitely check it out on YouTube. Yeah, uh, city, city of Crime. Yeah. It needs to make a comeback. I mean, was... if they yeah, you know, if they if they had tried just a little harder. This could this could have gotten a Grammy, and this could have gotten you know Tom Hanks closer to an EGOT, you know. Uh, what could have been? <laughs> sliding doors, Evan. Sliding doors. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh boy, that video was who oh boy. And uh, yeah, that's our episode, guys. Um, Dragnet. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on the movie? Like, does it does it hold up? You know, I think it still holds up comedy wise. I think it's still pretty funny. Um, if you take it at face value, if you just you know know that it's just kind of a a send up of the show. If it's, it wasn't meant to be, um, you know, the, one of the, one of the great comedies of all times. It's a good movie. I think it's funny. Uh, yeah, I would say that. I think, I think it's still pretty good. I mean, it's I, looking back on it, like, you know, 12, again, 12 year old me probably liked it because it had like, you know, boobs and butts. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I thought it was great. Sure. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought I thought it was I thought it was okay. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. Uh, yeah, you know, it had it's, some good. You keep your expectations low. If you yeah, gonna... like it's a good homage to the original show, right. but at the same time, they were trying to have fun with it too and make fun of it a little bit here and there. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I mean, the parts where they kind of try to make it more modern and more 80s, I don't know if that played quite well. Yeah, we didn't necessarily need all the... Yeah. Less of action sequences. We didn't we didn't need cars driving on the beach. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, like, and uh, you know, I mean, well the 80 saxophone we need. We always need 80 saxophone. I'll give you that. <laughs> oh, that'll have the music, but of course. Um, but yeah, other than that, I, I thought it was all right. It was it was a fun little, you know, trip down memory lane. You're, you're and, glad uh, that I, I that I uh, have been nagging you to see it. I am. I I thank <laughs> you for this. I thank you for bringing the music video back into my life. Thank you, old friend. Thank you. Uh, you know, anytime. Yeah. I can bring yeah. some weird 1980s uh, gimmick music videos. God, yeah, thank you. You're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's our episode, guys. Um, Evan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thanks group. for having me. Uh, this is fantastic. This uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, where, where can the people find you so they can get more of your uh, mm-hmm. hilarious musings and uh, yuck-em-ups? <laughs> Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as EvanJM02, and yeah, yeah, check me out there. I'm on YouTube. Some of uh, some outdated uh, old performances on uh, YouTube. Evan Morgenstern, and uh, yeah. All right, fantastic. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Darren Credible. At that, whoa, at Darren Credible. Sorry, I've, I've been drinking. That's D A. <laughs> D-A-R-A-L. I for this whole episode. I haven't had a drop. I'm going to go drink What? Now. I yeah, know, I'm, I know. That's a shocker. All right, I'm at, I'm at Dan Credible. That's D-A-R-I-N Credible. As always, you can follow the podcast at SNL Nerds Show, and you can follow John Trumbull at Trumbull Comic. And, uh, yeah, please tweet at us. Let us know your thoughts and uh, all that jazz. Also, donate to our Patreon at non-productive.com. Give us money so we can uh, keep the lights on and give you all of this fine quality content. Um, we also learned that SNL will be back on uh, October second, so we'll probably be talking about the newest episodes once they come oh, out. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, that's a little late. I've yeah. yeah, no, I mean it, it usually comes back like around October, oh, okay. maybe late, maybe late September, maybe. But October is usually about right. Well, I will, uh, I will be watching this season for sure. Yeah, absolutely, and, uh, and you know, and but until then, we'll probably have some other episodes. We'll put out other SNL Nerds episodes about other movies. We got some stuff planned for you. Don't don't, don't you fret. And, uh, yeah, that's our episode, guys. Thanks so much for listening, as always. And uh, we'll, we'll get back to you when we get back to you. But until then, nerds, nerds out. out. Morning in the City of Angels. On this particular occasion, we happen to witness a pagan ritual in progress. See that streamette? We're just in time. We have stumbled into a major crime. They got the girl off. Now that's not nice. I think she is the subject of a sacrifice. Buddy, we're putting this party on ice. But don't you know we really ought to read them their rights? Read them their rights. Read them their rights. Well, I'm here tonight to rap about your rights. Because right now you're in trouble. Don't have to say nothing at all. Y'all got two calls and you better make them on the double. This has been a non-productive media presentation. 
Executive Producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Nonproductive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.